4: Hi, I'm
5: Vanessa Bayer and this is my brother Jonah.
6: We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today.
5: Who are pretty good examples for the generations to come, if I do say so myself.
6: Wow, welcome to How Did We Get Weird. Hey everyone, so a little update on our episode with Gabe Liebman a few weeks ago. Uh, We talked about Manic Panic Herodai and talked a lot about Record Revolution. The record store, me and Vanessa, used to go to a lot growing up. And right after this episode aired, we learned that it was going to be closing after 55 years. And so we just wanted to a little shout out to Record Rev and let people know that you have until December 31st if you're in Cleveland to pick up some hair dye, some Doc Martens, anything like that. Vanessa, do you have any thoughts on this?
5: Yeah, I just wanted to say I feel like we're so lucky because over Thanksgiving we actually stopped into Record Revolution and noticed that it was a little bit smaller than it was when we were growing up but still had that awesome punk feel. Tons of Manic Panic products and yeah, I would just say to any Clevelanders, if you're able to head to Coventry while you're home for the holidays again they're open till december 31st you could stop by tommy's and get an absolutely delicious lunch and then go to record revolution and pick up some
6: pick up some minutemen vinyl i have a copy of minutemen's why do men start fires i got from record rev and i think they still have the basement the vinyl i wasn't we didn't really have time to go down there too much but yeah shout out to record rev and if you're in town go check it out they did not pay for this ad but we just wanted to give a shout out because they were around for over 50 years
5: Jonah, I was thinking about our guest today who we've known for a pretty long time. Something that I thought was kind of interesting is, you know, when you were in bands and stuff, like, you know, when I was in Chicago, you would always let me kind of do these roasts of your various bands. I think we've talked about these on here before where I'd kind of give like dad jokes about your various bands and the audience would be like really not into it. Yeah. And then you would really encourage me though, which probably helped get me to where I am today.
6: Well, I don't know about that. But yeah, we started out, you know, the Empty Bottle in Chicago, you know, our famous joke, Empty Bottle, more like Empty Club, yes, because there was never anyone there to see us play. Razzing you with that one. That was a good one. And then, yeah, I remember you doing it at St. Vitus with United Nations, Webster Hall. So we kind of worked our way up and probably the pinnacle of you roasting a band on stage was our guest band, right?
5: Yes. Yes. And, you know, I looked for the notebook. I'm not saying I will never find it because I just have a lot of notebooks. I couldn't find the notebook that had the actual roast I did of our guest band today. But, you know, this was, no offense to you, Jonah, this was at kind of a bigger venue than-
6: than It's a (laughs) bigger venue, more people. Yeah.
5: (laughs) I'm going to call it Irving Plaza?
6: I want to say maybe it was- Gramercy or Irving Plaza, one of those kinds of venues.
5: Pretty huge spot. And... I got up there and I think I mostly made fun of, you know, I did my classic, you know, making fun of the band members and their first names kind of stuff, I think. But also, I remember using like different album, the names of like their albums and it was like a reunion tour or something that they were doing. And I did like a lot of making jokes about the names of the albums and the names of the songs and doing a lot of like, commit this to memory, like that's going to be tough without boring this, you know, like kind of stuff like that.
6: Yeah, too bad you can't find that notebook because that sounds like some some real, yeah. Some, and I think I was actually late. Like, I think I caught maybe the end of it. I think because I got caught, I don't know, subway. Yeah,
5: I remember I was running late and they called me and they were like, Vanessa, are you filming? <laughs> Almost blew one of the biggest opportunities of my career.
6: Blew the gig, yeah.
5: But yeah, I remember just going out to another really confused audience. By this time, I was on Saturday Night Live. So I think some people recognized me, but that didn't make them any less confused as to why I was roasting this band <laughs> before they went up.
6: Yeah. Let's just get into it, maybe introduce today's guest. Sure. I don't know why we always kind of tease out the thing, because I feel like when someone selects a podcast, they see the name of the guest. Like it's I know. Really... We like
5: to pretend like no one knows who it is.
6: Yeah. Everyone knows who it is this whole time.
5: It's like a showbiz trope we do.
6: Yes. But anyways, which you probably already know, our guest today is a talented singer, songwriter, guitarist, writer, producer, podcaster, probably known from Motion City Soundtrack or his solo career. Let's welcome Justin Pierre. Hey, Justin. Hi. So, Justin, do you remember that? I, I vaguely yes. remember it, but I'm wondering if you have any memories. Because I know you would have a lot of comedians, like Doug Benson, I know would introduce you to have a lot of comedians work with the band.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, Doug was one, I think Tony knew him. Yeah. And for some reason, he really liked our band. you know, I feel like he likes pop rock music and, and weed. Those are the two things that I know about him. But I believe it was in Irving Plaza. I think. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to do the thing where I don't interject. It's a whole thing. I tend to talk over people and like I get excited and I say things. So I'm I'm just practicing what my therapist (laughs) has urged me to practice. But yeah, I think that was it. And I do remember like just loving how confused people were. And I feel like you know seeing you, Vanessa up there and like some of them looked like they were thinking like wait a minute is that no like why would she be here I'm <laughs> like why would she be doing this and then like yeah it, it was so wonderful like I love that shit you know where it just confuses people <laughs> and then, yeah my favorite parts were when like you would say something and then like just crickets and then you'd be like okay <laughs> and then, you know go to the next thing but yeah that was really
5: kind of let them have crickets for a long time. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, it was good.
6: Yeah, I could see, Vanessa, your joke you like to do a lot, and I could see you doing with this band, would be like, Tony and Matt sound like little kid names.
5: I'm sure I did that, (laughs) 100%. I'm sure I did that.
6: That's like one of your kind of standby roast jokes.
5: Totally, totally. And the other thing to your point, Justin, is that like, also like people either knew who I was and were like, why is she here, or... I think a lot of people still to this day, because we wear so many wigs and stuff on SNL, mm. people still think like I look familiar to them, but they don't know why. So they assume it's because they grew up with me. Mm. And so like, it just truly happened to me the other day. Like someone was like, did we go to school together? And I was like, no, I used to be on SNL. And they're like, oh, okay, got it. <laughs> like, that's my <laughs> response now. But I think there were probably also people in the audience who were just like, is that my old neighbor? <laughs> like people were <laughs> what just, what
2: is she doing up there? Yeah. Like,
5: confusion across the board.
2: Yeah. that's great I think that was the show like I was this is the first time where I haven't written anything down and I didn't do any sort of research or prepare right because I tend to do worse when I have things on a sheet of paper I think it's gonna help me but then I'm just like distracted and I'm not like good with the improv and in fact it terrifies me the thought of having to in real time speak and say things I tend to like to go away for months at a time and write right that's how I do things but I was just thinking about things knowing that I was going to do this and I remember I was talking to my wife about that night because I think she was there. I think that was the night that she met you Vanessa and she had known Jonah as long as I have or maybe earlier? Because I think you had been talking online, but then you met at South by Southwest one year.
6: I think with Limbeck, maybe.
2: Yeah. I think, Vanessa, you thanked her for stopping your brother from drunkenly getting a tattoo. Oh. Oh, I think that's what happened. Yeah.
6: I was with Limbeck, South by Southwest, and they were all getting anchor tattoos. And I was like, let's do this. And they all got them. And I feel like Justin's wife, Lindsay, was like, Jonah, like, don't do not get this. Do you, she's like, do you, I? I had no tattoos. Yeah, and like, I felt like this was like kind of like you have a bunch of tattoos already. That you kind of add it, add she one was like, on. It's yeah. not going to make a big difference. Yeah, I think she was kind of like, yeah. maybe you don't do that. And I ended up not doing it. And uh, wow, so glad I did yeah. do that.
2: So you're welcome.
6: <laughs> yes, thank you. Please thank her for me. That was very nice of her. But yeah, so that's really exciting. And yeah, so I guess we had you know your drummer, yeah, Tony on the on the pod before. And I was just thinking how. Crazy is that we've known each other like 20 years because I think we met the warp Tour in 2002. Wow, okay. And now it's 2022 because that Whoa. was when I first worked for AP. And so that's Vanessa. That's probably around when... You met Justin, too, and so I was just thinking about all the times, kind of, you know, we're friends, but I would interview you a lot, and I was thinking, Mm. it was always really interesting interviewing you, because I feel like I would call to do, like, an interview for a bio or something, and you'd be like, "Um, you know, I'm in line at the movies or something, and I'd be like, okay, Justin, (laughs) uh, I think we're Uh supposed to do this interview, so here you are in a studio with a microphone, you're all set up, like, you got it together. Look how far you've come. I know.
2: I've had a lot of therapy in the last few years. And it's kind of just starting to work. Year six, year seven, yeah. I'm just starting to learn things. That's great. I'm starting to learn what the words for feelings and the feelings of feelings, how they connect. And I'm a grown-ass man, and I'm just now going, oh, this feeling I have, that's anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Wow, interesting. I didn't know that.
6: You know, emotional intelligence, right? And that's really important. And I think, you know, as a man, that can be sometimes, you know, more difficult to kind of develop, especially in our society. So it's, it's great that you're working on that. And
2: as a me, that's even harder, to <laughs> been harder to develop. So... But thanks. Yeah. Sorry to make you wait while well, I was at a fucking movie while we were supposed to No, no, no. I thought it was about. funny.
6: I thought it was like it was great. Okay. I mean, it's, no, it's good. It was good. I wasn't trying to like it's not something like I've been like holding on to for like 15 years. Yeah. Um,
5: fuck you. <laughs> I remember once when you guys were in Chicago I had met you all at Warp Tour or something in Chicago with Jonah and you guys were signing records in Chicago. It's when I was living in Chicago and um, I went to, I don't know if it was like a tower. I don't remember what record store it was. It was like a huge record store in Chicago that's now closed. I remember I wanted to go see you guys. The line to get you guys, you know, the signatures line for you guys was like around the block. It was so long and it was all like (laughs) 13-year-old. So So I was like... Uh, like I looked so weird standing, like I truly could have been like, I think I was probably in my like mid twenties or something, but I look like I could be like everyone's mom. (laughs) And so, but I remember I like wrote a note to you guys that had a bunch of jokes in it. So confident in my jokes, even at that time, I was like, these guys are going to think this is funny. And I was like, can you pass this up? Or when you get to the front of the line to some 13 year old, can you like hand this to them? And they did. And I can't remember who got it, But someone in your band got it, and I was so impressed that I had thought of that. But I also, for that brief moment of time, just looked like such a creep among, like, 12 and 13 year olds as an adult woman.
2: Yeah, I don't, rem- like, there's a lot I don't <laughs> remember for many reasons. Mainly just being a, a fully function. I don't even know, functioning is the right word? Fully fledged drug addict. Addict? Addict? Drug addict. Drug addict. Drug addict. But yeah, and so, like, I don't rem- I mean, but it was weird because, like, when I was on tour, for the most part, I wasn't getting fucked up. It was when I went home and then like just had nothing to do that I would get all messed up but so I don't uh, like I was thinking about this I don't remember who I tell what to so I may be repeating (laughs) myself but I try not to but it does come to my attention that I repeat myself a lot these days join the club there was a movie that came out recently that was six or seven years in the making Chelsea Krister directed a film about the band the matches called bleeding audio and it's fucking amazing And I've literally watched it about a dozen times, and mainly ramping up to like I had to interview them for something. But that movie, like the first time I saw it, like I was bawling, I was crying, and I didn't know why until I kind of pieced together that I was witnessing this moment in time about another band that was kind of in the same world as us. And I was seeing all this footage and all this stuff from this time that I don't remember because I was so like not present. And it was like I was mourning the loss of that time for the first time, like, like, Sort of realizing that I missed the sort of apex of our band. And it was like a really weird thing, but it was super, super cathartic. Yeah, I'm
6: sure. Were you seeing a lot of American apparel track jackets? I feel like those were very big in that era as far as merch goes. Yeah.
2: A lot of Atticus.
6: Yeah. Oh, let's see. What other stuff.
2: A lot of made. Yeah. Do you remember a company from Canada called Play Dead? Does that sound familiar? Yeah.
6: Play Dead. And then Simple Plan had that line that I felt was very popular. I can't remember now I used to always make puns at Simple Plan all the time those guys were very good sports also I, I really they're very nice like a clothing line I think it was called role model yeah they had a cl- every band in the early 2000s had like a clothing line that was like a really big thing not us not you, guys. <laughs> you know, no, we barely had hits <laughs> if
2: that's what you want to call them, But yeah, I know. Weird. I'm sorry. I kind of went off on a tangent there. What? No, was the-
6: no, no, no. No, because I think that era is really... So, like, you know, that is a nostalgic era, even though, like, we were, tech, you know, mm. 20 years ago, even though, like, you were in the band and everything, you know, we were all around that time. But, you know, f- that early 2000s Warp Tour culture does feel, like, so... F- long ago right yeah
2: and i think what i was getting to is that i don't remember like i had heard stories of meeting you vanessa but i don't know like whenever i was on tour like i i'm trying to figure out how to say this i sing outside of my range i, I don't know how to do things in a proper way that would allow me to do things indefinitely and well so and if i'm around people i just talk non-stop i just can't stop. So I would tend to hide on tour and just stay in my bunk and read books and like not talk to people. And it wasn't really fun, but it was necessary in order to get through an entire tour. And so so it sucks because it's like all these people have all these stories about this time, but I was so focused on doing a decent job of work and or trying not to do drugs that I just wasn't there. You know, it's like a weird thing.
5: I think sometimes your instinct to like do the things so that like you need to do to kind of get through things and take care of yourself, it's like different for everyone. So I, I if that maybe was just how you felt, and I'll tell you this record signing, if you don't remember that, like nothing, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> you didn't miss anything. But I hear you. I also think with stuff specifically like record signings, mm-hmm. I'm sure for you guys, like I, I find in my career, like the stuff where you're interacting with people, like with, sorry, Jonah, fans. I have fans. Yeah, no, I know you do, but I am just saying like not to brag to you or whatever. <laughs> it really, even though you're so grateful that people respect like whatever art you're doing, it can be really exhausting because you want to like give them your full attention and you want to give them like your, you want to make them feel good and you want to sort of like, it really can kind of like zap your energy the more like focused you are on that. And so I can see a world where like with kind of stuff you were just sort of like i'm just going to sit this one out that that makes total sense well
2: and also like it's interesting because i've sort of come to understand i didn't understand how i could be on stage in front of people and do a thing and then at the same time be like completely anxious around people off stage my wife has been the one that's been like pointing out all of this stuff that's supposedly obvious to everyone but me in that that is an introverted way of being. Yes. And that like some people get reinvigorated by being around people, like get their energy from being around people and some people get their energy zapped from being around people. And I think I am in that later category. yeah. and i'm I'm just starting to realize this now. and it's like, fuck. like, that would have been so nice to know a long time ago,
5: yeah., totally. A lot of, I think performers are introverts. I mean, I feel like Amy Schumer always talks about that, how she's an introvert, even though she's so like charismatic and she is such a, you know, like this huge dynamic personality on stage. I think she likes to be by herself and she likes to, like, have her time to herself. And, I think that's such a big thing. With I think I'm a little bit like that. I, I think I'm actually kind of an an actual mix because I really do get energy sometimes out of being with people. But then I notice that if I'm given the option to sit at home and watch TV by myself and eat snacks, I, right? Nine times out of ten, I'm choosing that. Yeah, <laughs> so, nine yeah. times out of
2: ten, you choose snacks.
5: Oh well, ten times out of ten, I choose snacks. It just it just depends how I'm eating them. Okay,
2: if you're with someone or not. Yeah.
5: yeah.
6: All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back with Justin Pierre.
3: a woohooer! a hand clapper, a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Hacks
3: is back for Season 3, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors.
4: You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writers' room, on set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: All right. And we're back. So, Justin,
4: you know, we we're thinking
6: about topics for you today. You sent a huge list of topics, which was incredible. And you picked none of them. And we picked none of them because I had one in mind because a long time ago, you and, and Lindsay had a podcast called Book Narcs.
2: I think it's still technically out there somewhere. But yeah, I have not. We keep talking about maybe doing it. Again, but neither of us... Yeah, I'm not good with anything technical. Anyway, continue.
6: I think you should do it. I think... I can't remember if we talked about this, but it was basically like you would have guests on and talk about like their favorite books. Is that... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I was a guest. I think we talked about... I think I read like a Richard broadigan short story or something, but I think we talked about Choose Your Own Adventure books. Okay. Yeah. That sounds familiar. So I don't really totally actually remember that might not be true, but I thought it would also be a really good segue (laughs) into our topic. Yeah, and
2: I don't care if it
6: is or isn't true. I think if we act as though it is true, then if it turns out it's not true, then we can just say, oh, well. So choose your own adventure books, I thought would be an incredible topic. You know, there was recently this incredible feature in the New Yorkers. This is another thing too. I want to mention this New Yorker article because this kind of gave me the idea and I don't want people to... I want people to know that, you know, check out this article, know this inspired it. But it was an article by Leslie Jameson in September 12th issue called uh, The Enduring Allure of Choose Your Own Adventure Books. I mean, Vanessa read so many of these growing up. And Justin, I'm wondering if you have any memories from being a kid of Choose Your Own Adventure Books.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about this because when you brought up the topic, I thought, oh, I would better go like look into this because I can't remember, you know, the specifics But then I think we talked and I was and then you're like, oh, don't worry about that. And so I think I started thinking more along, I guess, like outside of the book, so to speak. But I'll get into that in a minute. What I do remember was like I had tons of these and I believe the ones I had were all these like they were white covers with like some kind of image on them. But they all it almost felt like a box set, but I don't think I got them all at the same time. I thought I slow they slowly like kind of came out. I have no idea what years these things were coming out, but it felt like I was getting them in real time. But the main thing I remember is just like the horribly graphic deaths that would occur. Like, you take a wrong turn and you fall into an endless pit that goes on forever or something just like horrifying, right? Yeah. So in a way this is kind of depressing and not very light. <laughs>
3: but
2: yeah, it was like my memory of it is that it, I remember being very frustrated at the fact that I would be going along reading this story and then suddenly I'd just like have a horrific death and then what would make it worse is I would start again and I'd end up in the same death but it would be from a different roundabout way. Right. And then I remember at a certain point I was like fuck this and then I started finding endings I liked and then reverse engineer my way backwards to figure out the path to get to a decent ending which to me that's very interesting because I think that says something about the way that I tend to function in the world. And this is something through therapy I'm also starting to realize is that I tend to understand things retroactively, but never very well in the moment or like as they're happening. Somewhat of a tangent.
5: No, that makes sense.
6: Yeah, this is one that I stuck out to me reading this article was there was a book called Your Code Name Is Jonah. Ooh.
2: Whoa, that's cool. And that
6: I, as soon as I saw that, I yeah. And so Jonah, very popular name these days, but was not that popular in the 80s. Yeah, and you
5: remember um, reading it as a re- kid? I'm John? sure I
6: do. I, like I feel like I saw like seeing your name on a book when you have a name that you don't see around that, that, that much. That isn't that
5: recognized. Yeah. yeah. So that sounded yeah.
6: familiar. Yeah.
2: Did both of you read those books growing up?
5: I read them for sure. Jonah read, I think, a lot. Of- Jonah read a lot more of them than me. He also read a lot more than I did because Jonah and my mom are really fast readers and my dad and I are both pretty slow readers. And also, I think, Jonah, you always had a book like (laughs) our mom told this story at Jonah's wedding about how he would would miss his bus stop like when he was getting dropped off after school all the time. Because he was reading like a book on the bus, but also that sometimes, so then they'd have to like drop him off last, like at the end of the whole route. But then also that he would come come off the bus reading a book and he would fall into this like ditch in front of our house that was part of our like septic. It was like all grass, like it wasn't like anything dangerous and he would just fall Right into this ditch, you know, reading and then would just keep reading. So cute. Also, he would talk like this. We have a video when he was really little and he'd go, hi, Jonah. Sorry, that's how you talk, Jonah.
6: Do you remember when there was a car that crashed into that ditch like these kids?
5: I will never forget it.
6: Sorry, Justin, don't mean to interrupt. but Sorry, Justin. This ditch was really weird. It was like a drainage kind of like it went down on both sides and then it had like pipes that ran under the driveways. Yeah,
5: so imagine almost like a, yeah. Just like a ditch right behind where the side where the street was. So like on either side of our driveway, there were just like these ditches that extended along the street. And they were all grass and there wasn't any like metal there, but it was just these ditches. And one time this teenager, well, we were little kids, so he seemed like pretty old. This teenager was like speeding along
6: our street in this one part and he went into the ditch and then basically smashed into the driveway because the driveway was like higher up. And I remember the cops came... And this kid like Got out of the car And like lied on the ground It was so dramatic He's like He's so like you should just shoot me Because my mom's gonna kill me anyways I
5: remember he said that to our mom I remember we
6: were in the front yard Like like, oh my god What? Like this is crazy This guy's talking to a cop like this Like death by cop it unbelievable. He told
5: her mom she should shoot him Because oh his dad's gonna kill him anyway Right? Or like his parents are gonna kill him
6: Maybe Something like that
5: Yeah he was like really dramatic And I remember probably We were so We were probably so annoying <laughs> Like we were just walking around being like, what's going on here? Like, we were just like, It was so crazy because there was so much commotion like right in front of our house and we were on a pretty quiet street. So it wasn't like there was often a lot of stuff. But yeah, I'll never forget that. It was like, oh my God, there's like a huge thing happening in front of our house.
2: What city did you grow up in? Suburbs of Cleveland. Okay, because I was going to say, I know this ditch. Yeah, because I grew up in like this tiny little wooded area called Grant Township, but the closest like actual city was Stillwater, Minnesota, which is still pretty, you know, small and unknown. But yeah, we had those as well in between the driveways and I feel like sometimes there would be bigger ones in between road like down at the corner of like we literally lived in the sticks dirt road you know trees and all that there was one that you could climb into but it it was metal and like it was big enough as kids you would go through and under it and especially when it snowed you could build forts around them right and but it was just like terror like i'm terrified of all the shit that we used to do that is just completely unsafe but yeah as you were telling that story and also i was the kid who crashed his car on one of those as well i fell asleep when i was 16 or something i think i was 16. i fell asleep driving home after making out with someone for the first time and then it like just ruined the night because I was late and I crashed my car and broke somebody's mailbox. I woke up oh, man. as I hit the ditch. You know, I was like falling asleep. Stupid. But I don't know why I told you all of that.
5: Well, we were talking about this exciting ditch story in front of our... It's so crazy, Jonah, that we both remember that it was it felt so insane
6: yeah that was wild well justin you've got a a car dish story too which is pretty incredible pretty incredible i mean i think that you know the idea of this article and this article in new yorker is really cool too it's because it's written as a choose your own adventure book you can kind of skip ahead skip back i think like one of the things it talks about is like the ability like when you're a kid you don't have like that much power to make decisions Mm -hmm. and how the book kind of gives you that ability i mean justin do you have any does that bring up anything for you because oh
2: man i love this let's get into the psychology of it. When I grew up nobody like listened to me or wanted my input like in terms of a family and I have three siblings. So that totally makes sense I think. You know, they're just trying to get through the day, my parents. And I guess I don't know where I'm going with this other than to say that like learning how to be mad at them but also love them. Like I never understood that you could do those things at the same time, you know? And I'm not saying that I'm mad at them. It's more like, oh, I'm allowing myself to be, you know, think about and be like, oh shit, that was fucked up. Oh, well, you know, they did the best they could, but also that's, I have the right to be upset about certain things. And so my kid is growing up and she's like, you know, it's like, I ask her questions. I want to know about her. I'd like, you know, I'm interested in what she's doing. And she's just like, get the fuck out of my room. You know, it's like, don't talk to me. You ask too many questions. So like this kind of ties into a bigger, I'm sorry. But I do think that in a general way, all anyone does is they sort of overcompensate for the things that they either are conscious or unconscious of that they didn't feel they got as a kid. And so I'm like asking her questions like, getting involved in her life. How's it going, how's it going? And she's just like, shut up. So I feel like moving forward, she's gonna be one of those people, if she has kids that just kicks them out in the backyard and says, go be free, I'm not gonna bug you. You know, so it's just interesting. What about you two? Like, in terms of, I want to say, like, do you feel that you both had a similar upbringing or do you feel like you had kind of slightly different upbringings, even though you had the same people?
6: That's a good question. I don't know. Vanessa, what do you think?
5: Well, I think that you were treated like as the older kid, like you... Well, it's interesting. I feel like as the younger kid, I
6: don't know. Well, I think, you know, we were very different. We were very different. Like, Vanessa was, you know, much more conscientious with, like, schoolwork, studying... Getting good grades. I feel like I was smart, but I didn't really care that much about that stuff. I was more interested in playing guitar. Going to shows. So I think we just had very different kind of priorities, I guess, if that makes yes, sense.
5: Yes, for sure. For sure. You did read a lot more than me. And it's interesting. Choose your own adventure books. Guess what year they were created in? Published the first one
6: 79? was 79. Was it 79?
5: Yeah. Guess what year that also That's is? That's When I
6: was born. Yeah. So Yeah, the year uh,
5: you were born.
6: That is true. I think though, like there is, you know, something to what you're saying, Justin. But I also think that like with these books. You know, it's such an interesting time when they came out because you know there were like three things to watch on TV. Like Mm -hmm. there just wasn't that much to do, and so this idea of having this interactive kind of adventure, and also being at reading, like you're also able to use your imagination. I think like that was so yeah, so incredible, incredible to me.
5: Yeah, and also the point of this book wasn't just the first choice you made. It The purpose was getting to go back and try different things and make different choices.
6: Yes, yes. And then it gets into this idea where there were some books where there was like a really cool ending that you could only get to by cheating. Like it was just like a random one that no actual path would lead you to it. Wow! And so people would find it and like, yeah.
5: It's interesting. Like I think what you were doing, Justin, what you're talking about before where you would like find the ending you want and then like reverse engineer to get there. I think that's probably was partially intentional on the people writing the books that it was sort of like you were like figuring out you could do that and that's another lesson is like how to like know where you want to end up and how to get there like I think it's all sort of part of the experience of those books even though as kids we might have thought that that was like cheating
2: yeah because like for me at least it felt like there was a lot of rules I just couldn't keep track of them all like just in life Right? Yeah. Sure. And I somehow was always getting in trouble and I didn't understand why or how. Like it just didn't make sense to me. But that's interesting that you bring that up that it was potentially intentional and that. Like, it's very subversive in a way. Yeah. And and it's great, like, to get kids to think differently. Like, this just reminded me of something. When she entered, like, you know, real school, like, she had a teacher that sent something home. I think it might have been first grade. Yeah. It was last year. Was saying, like, hey, there's many different ways to do math. And I was like, what? Hmm?" And um, so she said, have your kids explain, like, how they did it just have them show you what they did and what their thought process was. And if it makes sense, like if they get the right answer, what does it matter how they do it? And which I think is so different from how I had to learn things. Like it was all memorization and like, with math you go from left to right or whatever. And and the craziest thing happened, my daughter was showing me how she did math and she was like pulling numbers apart adding different parts together and then re-adding them together. And I was like, holy shit, that's how I do it. Like if I've got 18 plus 22, I just go 10 plus 20 is 30 and 8 plus 2 is 10, 40, right? You know, like it's like a weird way of going around about and I just remember it would be so frustrating having to like try to figure out how to do math on paper as a kid the way that the teachers wanted you to do it when it just didn't make any sense to think that way.
6: Yes, you know what that reminds me of so much, Justin Mm. and Vanessa will know I'm talking about is, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the way I hold a pencil or a pen. Okay. Oh, yeah. I hold it like in a very strange way. Between the middle and the ring finger? Middle and ring finger, I guess.
5: Wow, Jonah, those things never corrected it.
6: Yeah. And so they would give me these pencil grips all the time when I was learning to write in school. There were these two kinds. There were ones that were more like a triangle that was long. Yep. And then there were these little ones with these little like kind of like finger punch out things. and. For years, my teachers would give me these pencil grips and be like, "You have to hold it like this," and I just couldn't do it. And then eventually, they gave up. And I've written like that my whole life. I'm 43 years old. I've never had a problem. I mean, it's fine. You're
5: actually a writer. Yeah,
6: and it's it's so it's so <laughs> nice. weird. I mean, I don't think about it that much, but I, you know, sometimes when I write something down, people are like, "Whoa, you write!" Like, I don't think about it, but it's really interesting that like you know we're told like, "Oh, you have to write this way." We're going to give you these tools to make you do it. It's like. What is the difference? It's it's very strange. Yeah,
5: yeah, that was so crazy. They were trying to correct your writing. I
6: wonder if they still do that.
5: I bet they don't because they probably have figured out like it doesn't really matter. It's not going to affect to what end. It's like, it's not going to hurt you physically to be writing that way or affect your... Yeah, yeah. I just want to air a grievance that I have that's maybe not directly related to this, but I do feel like you remember those moments that like teachers were sort of like unfairly trying to force you into like one thing that didn't really matter. Like, and mine's kind of more related to yours, Jess which is when I was in 10th grade. My chemistry teacher, Mr. Mesh, was like, if you guys can solve this equation, it's stoichiometry. And if you guys can solve this equation tonight, you can get into team stoic, which was like for all the people who solved the equation. And I solved it through guess and check. Did Mr. Mesh ever say, you can't do guess and check, you have to like show your work, which I did show my work, but I wasn't doing it like methodically like I was following different formulas. I was solving this formula just, again, doing guess and check. And I come in the next day with the right answer. And I said, okay, it looks like I'm going to be a member of Team Stoic because I had the right answer and I saw that I did. And then he goes, you can't solve it through guess and check. You can't be on Team Stoic. And if you guys think that I don't still think about it, how pissed I am. I'm
6: just feeling really glad I wasn't in these advanced classes in high school because I do not want to be on Team Stoic ever. Because he said...
5: I do think it was like, it was honors or AP chemistry. Yeah. I was like, that's funny, Mr. Mesh. And yeah, I hate to dog a teacher by name on here, but he did wrong. (laughs) I was like, that's funny. You could have said no guess and check, but did you know? So- I guess what I'm trying to say is Jonah. In a similar way that you're trying to get into the Orange High School Hall of Fame via this podcast, I'd like what would you call it a late
2: retroactive
5: retroactive entry into Team Stoic. If Mr. Mesh hears this, uh, yes, okay. I think we took things in sort of a different direction. No, but this <laughs> okay. is
2: this is interesting. What connects all of this is the whole idea of the choose your own adventure of like, yeah, you can get to wherever you're going to get. It doesn't necessarily matter how you get there. And exactly. I think exactly yes, in terms of like you know going backwards and then forwards again sometimes but this does seem connected well
5: you know i think it is all related and i wish i would have said to now having read this article about choose your own adventure books i wish i would have said "Hmm, that's funny i'm not allowed to be in team stoic hey mr mesh have you ever heard of choose your own adventure books they're the fourth best-selling children's book series of all time and you got to get to the end kind of however you wanted to as long as you got there yeah now Here's a question I have about Choose Your Own Adventure books. And I apologize that I don't know this going in because this is kind of like a major thing. Was it only one series? Like were there not, a bunch of like, I assume that there were also a bunch of like rip-offs. Yeah, th- there
6: was only one. It, and then there was original and then it was pressed by a different company. It was these two guys created it kind of together. Okay. I think there were rip-offs, but I think like they were able to kind of keep, you know, sue them or I don't. Yeah, I think, I think it was pretty consistent. And they did the consistent artwork and everything. I just wanted to say, it sounds like you and Mr. Mesh did not really mesh. Oh. Yeah.
5: And he was a chemistry teacher. I want to say this. I want to go H2O, you know. Yeah. More like borum.
6: <laughs> wow.
5: <laughs> Mr. Mesh, more like borum. <laughs> and look, I don't want to burn
6: <laughs> Too late. You've already you've already already burned. Bor- him. No,
5: sorry. More like boron. <laughs> Is that
6: the element? Justin, have you been following sort of the, the drama involving our high school's Hall of Fame? Wait, your high school's Hall of Fame?
5: I don't know if you've I don't know if
6: you've been <laughs> So our high school has a notable alumni webpage. Okay. And just to give you a recap, listeners of the podcast know this. A few people have started petitions to try to get me in. Vanessa's in it. I'm on there. Vanessa's in it. Uh George Stephanopoulos, JD Sampson from Tigra, and okay. Frank Kavanaugh, a one-time bassist of the band Filter, and then some guy who worked on Magic the Gathering cards. That's it. Okay. And I, you know, yeah. It's a weird peering and it's very funny to me because So many people that went to our high school, also, I know this is a bit of a tangent, but just from this era, uh, are like professors or doctors, are very successful in their field, but I guess that's not notable. Yeah. I don't know.
2: Nobody who does anything that actually helps people, like nobody gives a shit about them.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think I help people. Go ahead, Jonah.
6: <laughs> Justin, are you have you been recognized at all by your high school for your achievements in the world of music, film? Oh God, I wouldn't know. I'm guessing no, but I think
5: I think you'd know if you were in the Hall of Fame because Jonah probably would have found it.
6: <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to your high school's website as frequently as no, many. no.
5: You're not looking at the cafeteria menus every month like Jonah is.
6: No.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like we need to investigate this a little bit more. Like, what's the what's the reason? You should be recognized, you should be recognized. Justin. Yeah. No, I do think that somebody uh, said that of the city, like the small fucking city that I I went to school in. It's called Matamita. I went to Matamita High School, and I think shout out oddly on Wikipedia. <laughs> I think. Uh, my name is mentioned and what's weird is that my brother-in-law is mentioned as well because he played professional football for a little bit Okay, and so two of us are basically in the same family which I thought was interesting
6: wow that's all I know do you guys have a star isn't there that venue in Minneapolis that has all the stars oh yeah first avenue ours is right above the
2: depot which is the eatery which totally makes sense
6: still you got a star on on the first Avenue. that's pretty impressive yeah
2: Yeah, I think they paint over them every once in a while and they add other people but we haven't been painted over yet so that's that's interesting incredible. That's a good sign. But yeah, I think you have to sell it out. We were never allowed to play there when we were starting out. And so the first time we played there, we sold it out, which I think was pretty cool. Yeah. Because we tried really hard to get in there. And it was like the place that we'd see all of our favorite shows, favorite bands growing up, you know, Josh and I living here. And yeah. And it's still like, I mentioned this on stage recently when we did the last tour. I think it was the first time that I had played there and I wasn't completely like nervous to the point where I couldn't like you know I was just freaking out I I was actually kind of present yeah which was wild I never really felt that before on that stage because it just you know it's one of those places I don't know if either of you had those where it's like it just doesn't feel right for me to be here right like I get
6: you know
5: I'm pretty entitled but okay No, I get you. I hear what you're saying.
6: Yeah, and, and Justin, you're you're reminding me speaking of nostalgic, you know, we're about to take a break. I remember getting the original Motion City soundtrack demo inside of a floppy disk. Uh. And then I think I have a reissued one inside another floppy disk.
2: Yeah. That was the I think was that the 10th anniversary. I don't know. What, I don't know. No, was that a move I Yeah,
6: Some kind of thing, but that's pretty nostalgic, right? Sending a a record inside a a floppy disk, and I guess it worked, because then you got on the,
2: the wall. And I think either Josh or Jesse or both of them, look, my job is to write lyrics and melodies and play guitar and sing. I think I pretty much shit at all of the other aspects of this job. And so, yeah, I'm pretty sure Josh and Jesse came up with that idea, one of them or both of them, but... It was still pretty cool.
5: Well, speaking of the eighties, I just want to say that Choose Your Own Adventure Books peaked in the eighties, but for our listeners to know, the franchise still sells about a million books a year.
2: Not bad. Wow. So you
5: can still get them. And if this makes you feel a little better about, you know, stuff with your kid, Justin, you know, the concept of choose your own adventure books originated from this guy who would tell bedtime stories to his daughters who would request for the protagonists in his stories to do different things. So sometimes that back and forth leads to choose-your-own-adventure books in the case of that it did.
2: That is wild. Only because... Every time I tell my daughter a story, she gets mad at me and changes the ending because she says that all my stories are, they just end sad or badly.
5: This guy's daughter's probably said that too. And then he made a bunch of different endings and look at him now, fourth best selling franchise of those things in the world.
2: So you're telling me I should start writing? Yes. Okay. I'm going to write books now. Start
6: writing. I will play music no more. Or you could become a high school science teacher. Yes. It's up to you.
5: Look. I want to say again to Mr. Mesh, <laughs> I don't, as a teacher, I thought you were great. I just, I'd love retroactively for this wrong to be righted. Because again, you never said you can't use guessing and checks.
6: And we're so going to take a quick break <laughs> and we'll be back with Justin Pierre. All right, and we're back. So Justin. We're going to do something pretty wild for this final segment. It's actually going to be two segments in one. I'm nervous. And I'm just going to jump right in. The first segment is called Congratulations, You Played Yourself.
2: Congratulations, You
1: Played
6: Yourself. We've used this before, and this is going out to the Dunkin' Donuts, Dunkin' Rewards system, which was just rolled out. And are you familiar with the Dunkin' Rewards system or the D.D. Perk system? I am not.
5: Well, you're going to know a lot about it.
6: (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, to keep it kind of concise... They had this DD Perk system. It was a smartphone app and they had pretty good incentives. Like if you bought like, I get a oat milk latte, you buy three or four, you get like a free one basically. They had a lot of good promos. You get a free drink on your birthday. I live in like the New England area. There's like Dunkin' Donuts are everywhere. I live in kind of a rural place. So I would go, you know, do I have issues with our local Dunkin' Donuts? Yes. Yeah, so I like, do I feel like the staffing is not up to par? Yes. Yeah, so it's it take too long? Right, drive to, right, yeah. Right, right. But I would use the app. So they recently rolled out this new app, this
5: new program
6: called Dunker Rewards, this new program. And, you know, used to be able to get a free drink of any kind for $40.
5: Every $40 you spent.
6: If you spent $40, now you have to spend $70. So you have to spend almost twice as much. And what's so funny about it is, just to me, the condescending tone of, of Dunkin' <laughs> Notes, because they go, "Okay, your points are worth twice as much." They go for if you spend a dollar, you get ten points instead of five, but everything is like five times more points. Yeah, so it's like they act like they're boosting it, but it's like, well, your customers know how math works. Like it's so, it's kind of insulting right. to me. I feel insulted and points
5: is a slippery slope with everything. You know, even with credit cards, it's kind of like, what are those points? Yeah, double points, but what are the points worth? Well,
6: to me it's like, you know, you come in and you say, "Look, we're losing too much money with this program. We're just going to have to retool it, you know, giving everyone's, you know, some kind of free drink and we're sorry." Instead, here's their statement. Here it goes. The Duncan account says, "After a few years, it was time for a change. We listened to our members' feedback and made several new enhancements." like redeeming points for rewards on food and drinks. So yeah, before, now you can get like a donut hole or something for $100. And then we get here from, uh, of course, the Dunkin' Donuts president. He's saying this on NBC News. Wait, Mr. Duncan? Named Scott Murphy. Okay. President of Dunkin' Donuts, which is like, okay, uh, change is always going to be an adjustment. But in the long run, Dunkin' loyalists will benefit even more, he said. Duncan Rewards is all about choice for our members. With a more dynamic reward structure, where they start earning rewards at lower spend threshold, they can redeem points for a wider variety of food and beverages and choose when and how they use their points. So, to me, this is just like, I mean, you completely played yourself. I mean, I feel like people are not going to use this. Justin, what do you think about this? And also, do you use any Starbucks? Do you use some rewards programs? Please, let us know. Oh
2: my God, I have so much to say on this.
6: This is a lot. What was the name of the... Uh, president again? The president is Scott Murphy. Scott
2: Murphy. All right. So, like, I think everything, not just in this country, but mostly in this country, it comes down to capitalism. So I think right. they're not necessarily listening to anyone. It's not that they're losing money. It's not. It's that they're not making enough money, right? They're not showing enough profit, so they need to change something in order to make more. And look, I don't know anything. This is just, you know, I think... If you look at how things work in this country, yeah, it's all about money. And I think when they use words like threshold, what, what was it? Like they use all these fancy tech speak, wo- you know, threshold, whatever. But like the way that it's worded, it's just...
6: It's a dynamic reward structure, Justin. Dynamic reward structure. It's like <laughs> if you
2: combine a bunch of, and I guess I should listen to myself here, but if you combine a bunch of like, you know, vocabulary words all together, it like it's going to confuse people. I say all this... And yet, I definitely use the Starbucks app mainly because I'm addicted to the Nitro Cold Brew. Yeah, sure, sure. And I don't know if it's a joke or not, but yeah, I like the way that it tastes. And so that's why I go there.
6: Do you use the app like, oh, I'm just using, I'm going there? Or do you think about the app when you're not using it?
2: No, it's just like, I don't think about, yeah, ask my wife. I don't think about anything. Okay. I just sort of am.
5: That's kind of where you and Jonah are different because I think Jonah (laughs) thinks about the app all the time. In fact, I just want to say that (laughs) we're going off sort of a little doc that we made for this episode and Jonah wrote in all caps, but we all know that President Scott Murphy he is getting his marching orders from the ultimate scam artist, David Hoffman. And then Jonah wrote, as a bullet point, talk about how CEOs always claim to be part of the quote unquote crew, but are the business school MBA elite. And then Jonah found this evidence.
6: Let's back up a little bit. So, this is a great segue into a, a sub segment called CEO Takedown. CEO. Takedown. down. Which is very popular. Okay, got it. Sorry, I almost... And so, no, this is great. And so... Um, CEO takedown. CEO takedown. And so I had to Google who's more important, a president or a CEO. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. I was like, Dunkin' Donuts actually has both. CEO, right? It is CEO. A
5: lot of times it's president and CEO, right? Yeah,
6: so a lot of times they're the same person. If there are two, then the CEO is like slightly higher up. Like the CEO. That's
5: what I figured. Okay, okay. The
6: CEO is this guy, David Hoffman.
5: Okay, here goes. Um
6: And it's so interesting because these guys, like, I guess this guy worked at McDonald's when he was in high school and then got an MBA. And then I don't know how you become like the CEO of Dunkin' Donut. I mean, it's so interesting. But what I find so patronizing about this guy is this guy makes $5.5 million. You know, none of this reward profit they're making are going to their employees, I'm sure. And then they have this thing on the site where all these executives have to list their favorite drinks, which it's like, you know... These people are never eating or drinking this because they own Baskin Robbins too. So it says, Dave is drinking a Dunkin' Ice Macchiato and scooping Baskin Robbins pralines and cream ice cream. And I just wrote, like, yeah, this guy has probably never. This guy probably never eats. Just a to
5: quote what you wrote, you wrote in all caps, "Yeah, right." I'm sure this guy hasn't, <laughs> <laughs> hasn't had an iced macchiato in his life. <laughs> and then, and then you wrote, "What is the salary of David Hoffman as the chief executive officer and director?" Yeah, you said his salary
6: is. Yeah, I found that online. So I don't. know, Yeah, five and a half million.
5: There are no executives at Duncan Brands Inc. getting paid more. And then you wrote. And you highlight it. Is he cutting rewards to pay employees more or add more to his $5.4 million salary? Jonah is on the
2: case. I want to read this book. That's what I want to read. You have to write this
6: book. Jonah, about, you could yeah. write a
5: whole CEO takedown book and I can't guarantee it would be a bestseller. <laughs> I can guarantee you could write it.
6: I do think that they have blown it with these, these rewards. Yeah, it's just like sort of what Justin's saying. I think it's just a culture. It's like, just be upfront. But I feel like, like Justin's saying, it's like the way they use these terms and try to spin it. Like, no, this is actually better. It's like, I didn't get an MBA like you guys, but I but I know when someone's trying to sell me a bad bill of goods and, and I know exactly what's going on.
5: Well, this article also says Dave earned a BS in accounting from Indiana University and an MBA from the University of Chicago. And then Jonah wrote in all caps, he responded to this article. To work at McDonald's? Um, okay, seems a little fishy. Who and his family got him into the graduate program at University of Chicago? Is this dude related to Ronald McDonald?
6: It's more kind of stream of consciousness for the podcast. But yeah, Yeah. thank you for reading that, Vanessa. That's great. All caps. But yeah. So you use rewards programs, Justin, but you're not thinking about them, talking to them, to to people in your life, doing podcasts about them. No,
2: I think more so like if I were, you know, doing a lot of touring, frequent flyers. That's like basically it. Frequent flyers. Yeah, just frequent flyer miles. Because that's the only thing that, you know, and... Unfortunately, fortunately, whatever you want to say, but Delta, there's a big hub here. So we fly. Delta pretty much with Motion City yeah and it's paid for at least a couple of flights but I guess it's different than you know when you have the band paying for it it feels different like you're not paying for it you know and you right. get these well, free flights but
6: let me ask you this because Jesse has been nice enough to take me to the Delta Lounge i mm-hmm. was with Jesse I know okay, he's very cool would you do that thing I was never really a frequent flyer but I know people would like take flights really far away and not even go anywhere just to like get the point. Pl- like I'm gonna fly to California and back to-
5: that feels like a 90s thing that a lot of dads did
2: I did that only when I knew that Motion City would be touring the next year in order to get like gold so that we could save like thousands of dollars on gear, like having to fly with suitcases. Because if Jesse and I had it, I think we each get one or two people get on our thing you know I forget there's like a whole
5: right 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 so where
2: did you go on your flight I think like it was really weird like I didn't realize how weird this was but I think I flew to LA and then I I got food and then I flew right home (laughs) and I felt really weird about it coming back because the people on the flight were the same you know (laughs) flight attendants and they were like hmm what are you I'm like oh yeah just doing it Is this weird? You know,
5: They probably had seen a bunch of people do that.
2: Well, they looked at me like I was, maybe it was just me that they were like, ugh. What do you go eat when you got like an hour, an hour at a time? I don't, I mean, I'm assuming, I'm trying to think of what is at LAX. It was probably- Maybe like an In-N-Out burger or something? I don't think they, did they have, this was a long time ago, but I'm assuming it was probably something like McDonald's. Okay, so you didn't leave the airport at all? No, no. I think my flight was like, oh, God. I'm like, yeah, I I don't really get embarrassed about too many things, but this is kind of embarrassing.
6: I don't think you should be embarrassed at all. I think it's smart. I would be proud.
2: It's more about the McDonald's than the flight.
5: People will go to such ends to get points. I mean, I'm a little bit like that with credit card points. I love getting extra points. And again, points is so relative because you don't know like what dollar amount they're actually worth. But I remember my friend Julie talking about her wallet got stolen or something once. And I had like a nine out of 10 Tasty Delight. She was like, I was due like a free Tasty Delight ice cream. And she was like, of all the credit cards and all the stuff that got stolen, like the thing that I was most upset about was my Tasty Delight punch card. And I want to say that, Rightfully so. When I was reading this article about that I would have never read if Jonah hadn't found it about this new Dunkin' Donuts rewards program, somebody who had the DD Perks program was saying that he was one drink away, like 10 points away from getting a free drink. And basically was like, they're not honoring all the drinks that I bought to get to this point. Now I have to start from scratch. And that is such a frustrating feeling. It's such a one of those things that it's like the principle of it. Because probably all I'm saying is like the amount that they're saving is like probably three or four dollars, which, you know, they probably use that to tip someone out. You know, like that's as my friend Ariel says, money is fungible. But the point is which I'm not totally sure it means. But the point is, it just is the principle of I spent all this money. I spent my $40 or whatever to get my $4 free drink. And like, you're not going to give it to me. It, I do think that that is, yeah, well, they should be honoring the D.D. Perks members. They
6: should. And I want to say, if David Hoffman, the CEO, is listening.
5: Which he probably is.
6: Which he probably is. My birthday was like, I don't know, like two, three weeks ago before they switched over and I got my birthday drink and, and you do it again right before they discontinued it and I do it again and David I say happy birthday to you
5: yeah we're like crappy birthday because also that's the other thing that you didn't mention Jonah is that this new program not only do you have to spend $70 to the former $40 to get a free item but also no free birthday drinks
6: no free birthday drinks you get like double or triple points, but everything is like four times as many points anyways. So it's...
5: I guess it's like the announcement we would have liked to have heard, I think, is from David Hoffman was, look, with inflation and and a lot of things we had, our rewards program was so good. You know, we had to cut back, but we still really value our customers and we still want to give you rewards, but hopefully we'll be back to the regular program soon as opposed to saying like we listen to our customers and we're giving you an even better yeah, program but
6: if they listen to the cu- all the customers are saying we want to go back to the original awards yeah good luck they're never going back to that <laughs> they're going to give up m- profits no no way
5: yeah yeah it's like our dad used to say i want a million dollars but life isn't fair Is that what he said? Something like that. I
6: don't remember. It's not possible. So, Justin, any final thoughts on, you know, this whole controversy? There's a lot of thoughts, but I was trying to
2: just listen, which is not something I'm great at. And not fall asleep? No, I did not say that. No, this is, I'm serious. This is riveting. I want to read a whole book about various CEOs and what's wrong with, you know, these... Rewards programs.
5: You know, you're just enabling Jonah. That's is
2: I'm a champion. I celebrate your entire catalog.
6: Okay. Well, thank you. Yes, it's you know, it's one of my favorite things to do is just the, and, and you know, if you get really bored, Justin, there are like websites like CEO news and stuff, and you can really get the insight. Jonah, scoop. who
5: would you say you're taking down in this segment specifically? Is it David Hoffman or is it Scott
6: Murphy? I don't know. I mean, kind of both. I mean, I feel like David Hoffman just kind of just because he technically is the CEO and the segment's right. called CEO of Takedown. Course. But but mm. Murphy is a guy who made the statement, which it's just like, no, no, it's better. We're giving you what you want. It's like, don't tell me what I want. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't know, you know.
5: And by the way, obviously I want a better deal and you're giving me a worse one.
6: Yeah. And maybe you should go meet up with Mr. Mesh and you guys can talk about... yeah. Yeah, maybe, hey. How to rip off the little guy.
5: Hey, Scott Murphy, by by that math, maybe you'll get into the Stoic Club. Maybe you got my slot. Well, guess what? It wasn't fair then, it isn't fair now. (laughs)
6: Okay, Justin, wow. Where can people find you online? What's going on with your musical career, the band, solo stuff? What can you, anything to promote? It's just, it's a hot pile of trash right now. Uh, (laughs) No, I believe
2: I just announced uh, the fourth of a four-part EP series thing i was working on that one's called permanent midnight and i believe it comes out in december the full thing but i think there's a song out called house of strangers but yeah we just did some motion city shows i don't i that i don't really have anything going on i'm just kind of doing dad stuff
5: where can people find you on social media or anything like that oh
2: god i have pretty much stopped doing everything for you <laughs> i hate it i hate it i i
5: understand that yeah i, I, understand I mean that. well
2: I will say that I love interacting with people one-on-one, but it is really hard to keep up. Not that I'm that popular, but I think people know that I respond to them, and so
5: right, right, right. I
2: responded like 98% of the people who write to me, and like I stopped. And Instagram is mainly where I kind of focus my attention because I just uh, Twitter seems like a, a cesspool of sadness, and right. Facebook is like tumbleweeds. I don't know. But yeah, so I think it's JCP MCS is Josh set that up for me years ago.
5: They shouldn't send you a message unless they wanna
2: No, send send messages. I just I'm it may be six months before I get <laughs> I get to them. But I yeah. yeah. I don't know. I probably should be promoting shit. So maybe I will start up again. But yeah, I think JCP MCS or Justin Courtney Pierre is where most of my stuff is. And I don't know that people like still look at websites, but I put together all this weird shit with like playlists and film tr- references and interviews with authors cuz each of these EPs is sort of has a bunch of information associated with them and the titles of each of these EPs is also a title of a book. And I highly recommend all of the books. They don't necessarily have anything to do with the books, but the titles the wording of the titles makes sense to me, but if you get into that shit and you like what I do, then you might want to go to the website and just look that up because I think I got sick of uh I've always been very honest and just like talking about things and I feel like I don't really want to talk about my music anymore just sort of like allow people to figure it out on their own. I just feel like I even as I'm saying these words now, it's like I, ru- I fi- in my head, I feel like I'm ruining things by talking about stuff. And I don't know. It's just a weird thing. I don't know what that is, but
6: it's hard to promote stuff without, it feels kind of, can feel kind of like a weird feeling. But as long as you're not promoting, you know, the DD Perks program, I think oh, you're no. going to be just great.
5: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'd say. I don't
6: think I've ever eaten there on purpose. Or well, drank
2: anything.
5: Well, don't tell our dad that, because I will say this: I think he's in for whatever program comes next. Because no one has been a bigger fan of the those breakfast sandwiches than our dad.
2: There's no one that I would rather go there for the first time with than your dad. So.
5: Oh yeah, he'd tell you.
6: Next time you're in Cleveland, maybe we can set yeah. that up. Can we like yeah. do a pilgrimage sh- to Dunkin' Donuts? No oh my gosh. Oh That'd yeah. Be incredible. Big That'd time. Be great.
5: Well, that was so much fun, you guys. Thanks so much to Justin for joining us and to everyone for listening. If you enjoyed that, please subscribe to the podcast and keep an eye out for next week's episode of How Did We Get Weird, where we'll discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones, like choose your own adventure books and like, what's the status of me being in Club Stoy? you know maybe it will change by the next episode you know I don't want to threaten Mr. Mesh but it's like honestly it's the right thing to do it's not a threat it's a lesson
2: I think we need to get you a club stoic t-shirt
5: would be a nice gesture for Mr. Mesh to send that that would be a nice gesture <laughs>
0: Right rug flooring.